Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Friday Views on Yahoo Sports Canada. My name is Iman, and I am joined by the slanderer himself, Assad. What's up, buddy? I'm doing good. How you been doing? It's been a fun, fun week in Raptors basketball, hasn't it? It has been. <laughs> so, so this week in Raptors basketball, we have our highs and we have our lows. We had that that loss to the Detroit Pistons, which not fun. But then we had the win against the Milwaukee Bucks, which was arguably the highest point of the season. And then you got beaten up by the Milwaukee, by the Miami Heat, yada yada yada. And it's all brought us to 500. The Raptors are currently 21 and 21. Where did you think they would be halfway through the season? Honestly, um, I think coming into the season, we all knew well, Pascal was going to be injured for part of it. Uh, you know, you're going to have a lot of young guys playing that are going to be stepping into bigger roles. So for me, I was always hopeful that, hey, like maybe they're over 500, but like 500 was kind of like the goal. It was like, well, you know, you kind of survive the first half of the season, get your team healthy, and then you kind of make your push from there. Um, I think overall I had, like, best-case scenario for the Raptors being, like, 45 to 48 wins on the season. So – and most of that coming in the back half when they can kind of, like, make a push and get the team together. So it's it's weird because you can say, like, oh, yeah, the record is kind of in line with what I thought, but it's also, like – there's no way that you could have figured out that this was how they would have gotten to 41 to 41. Cause it feels like we've watched like four different Raptor teams over the last like two and a half months uh, play. And it's like, Hey, for two weeks, we're going to be a really good defensive team. And then two weeks it's like, Oh, we can't play defense on anybody. And we're really good at offense. And it's like, Oh, everyone has COVID. Uh, everybody's injured. <laughs> and now it's uh, we have this where it's like, Oh, the good guys, like your core is healthy and you have no bench. So, it's been an interesting road, to say the least, to 500, but at least we're here. Yeah, I think that's a very fair way of putting it. And coming into this season, we – it's not only did – yeah, you mentioned this. Not only did we know that Pascal Siakam would be gone, but a lot of guys, a lot of young guys were going to be worked into the rotation. And a lot of the Raptors' core were going to take another step and take a role that they didn't have in the past. This kind of feels like the first iteration of a team – where the keys have been given to the younger guys. It's almost like watching a TV show. It's like Degrassi and all of like the seniors graduate. Now you have to watch the new crop. Very niche reference for my Raptors slash Degrassi fans out there. Uh, I see you guys. Um, so I kind of wanted to take a step back and give some guys greats. Uh, and I want to just start off with our rooks. First up, Delano Banton. Tell me what you expected for him coming into the season and what kind of midseason grade would you give him? Uh, quite frankly, I did not see him really playing in any of the games. I thought he was just going to be with the G League most of the season, if not the entire season. Uh, so it was surprising to see him basically the first game of the season. And, you know, he hits a half-court shot for his first 
first bucket in, in the NBA. So Delano was a really big surprise. I think everybody kind of had the same expectation once he started playing. It was like, oh, he's playing really awesome, but like he should really be in the G League. Like, yeah, he's got great effort. It looks amazing. He's clearly impacting the games, but really want him to develop in the G League. Um, so I really had no expectation of him in the season. So just for that, like, I'll give him a B plus for what he's done on the season. Like the fact that he's even played games and impacted games and, you know, his impact has won the Raptors a couple games here and there. Uh, I think for him that like a B plus is a solid grade. Uh, the second half of the season, like we're seeing now, he's playing with the 905, just had 25 and a half uh, today, tonight or yesterday. However, whenever you guys end up watching this Thursday night, has 25 points at halftime. So Delano clearly is too good for the G League, um, which is more than I would have expected at this level. So I, I would give him a B plus, I think, for the season. And what about number four overall pick, our guy, Scotty Barnes? What were your expectations of him coming into the season and how has he fared thus far? Uh, well, Scotty, I, I don't think anybody – had any expectation of Scotty being what he's been so far. Like anybody who tells you that they expected this from day one, unless you're David Thorpe, I don't believe you. And I don't even know if David Thorpe expected this. Let's be very honest. Um Plug uh, Dishes and Dimes episode with David Thorpe. He did not. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's been amazing. Like Scotty's been a revelation. Like we're seeing lately like more of those rookie mistakes kind of shine through. And it's clear that people have changed how they grade Scotty because he was so good at the beginning of the season. And now they're, you know, criticizing him and complaining about, like, his mess, his mistakes here and there. Like, as if he's one of the, like, core guys who's been here for, like, a five-season vet. The goalpost changes. Yeah, the goalpost completely shifted. <laughs> <laughs> there were tweets calling him the best player on the Raptors to begin the season, and there were nights where he honestly had stretches where he looked like that right away. Um, obviously, it was a little premature. <laughs> yeah. But he did show signs of being able to be that guy immediately yeah and like nobody expected him to show what he has with his jump shot like whether it's the mid-range whether it's the soft touch i think the thing that's been most amazing with scotty is just kind of like every night you're getting something new and you don't know what to expect or when to expect it or what's going to happen but the fact that he's a won the raptors a few games already and just done what he's done like i'm not like giving an a plus would be for like if upgrading the rest of the roster giving him an A plus is hard because it's like, well, compared to other players, like you're not an A plus, like he's probably having a B plus, A minus season, but compared to what the expectations were at the start of the season, like you got to give him A plus. You got to mark the rookies on a curve, you know, like <laughs> kind of carve them based on the expectations. So I'm going to give Scotty an A plus so far. Really everything's been a plus and it's only, you know, sky's the limit for him for the rest of the season. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of always liken it to just, I, I have a niece and so I, I, compare most things to her but every time I see her she just has a new skill or has learned a new word and it's just like how, you know how to do that like you know how to say that and that's how I feel watching Scotty Barnes where it's like first shot in the NBA was a hook shot like a like okay Kareem <laughs> and some of these passes that he's making it it's kind of nice to have a playmaker that can see above six feet okay um so I kind of want to talk about, you know, Malachi Flynn. He, unfortunately, don't think he's going to have the highest grade. But can I, can I get a projection? What, what did you think about him coming into the season? Let's give him a grade first, and then we'll get into some Malachi Flynn talks. 
So I was like a really big Malachi Flynn guy last season, like especially the back half of the season when he finally started playing regular minutes, he was given an opportunity. Like he was shooting close to 40% from three to close the season out. And like, you know, he was like making big shots and like you could see him take over fourth quarters or like Malachi Flynn just went on an 8-0 run by himself, right? Like we've seen him like, it was, whether it was that game against the Hawks at the end the last season where basically him and Pascal game, game too, right? him and Pascal single-handedly got through the game where him and Jalen Harris almost beat the Mavs by themselves with literally no roster, right? And again, that was Tampa, so the expectations were a lot lower and whatnot. But to see Malachi Flynn this season has been very disappointing. Like, I don't know what he's done in training camp because I think um, – and Josh Lewinberg, I think, had mentioned this, was coming into training camp, um, the discussions that leadership had had with him and his agent was that the backup point guard spot was his to lose. And then he lost it in training camp. So whatever he showed in training camp wasn't what the Raptors were looking for. And they have shifted kind of away from pick and roll style guards. And they want a different thing from their defenders where they want to be switchable and able to kind of press up. But it's been a little bit difficult to see how much he struggled, especially with his shot. Like, the fact that he can't make a catch and sh- like he can't make the same shot twice in a row and he's spraying left and right on his jumper and just like the lack of confidence completely shook. It's kind of unfortunate because coming into the season, it was like, oh, do you really want Goran Dragic to be soaking up 15 Malachi Flynn minutes, which in Malachi Flynn could be a leader of the bench unit. And now it's like, can Malachi Flynn even play more than two minutes in a game? Uh, and can you trust him to do it? Like he's had one game where he had 14 points. And other than that, in a stretch of time where a lot of the Raptors were out with COVID, Malachi Flynn came back early. They counted on him for a few games and he literally couldn't hit a shot. So it's been very disappointing for Malachi. I'll give him a, I'll give him a D minus. Okay. Now I don't want to fail anybody. So I'll give him a D minus. Now, you know, when you, you go to teachers, you're looking for a little extra credit. You're looking how you can do better in the next semester. If Malachi Flynn came over to you and said, what do I need to do? Because everyone will tell you that the Raptors just need more rotation guys, especially another guard would be so useful for them, especially some more shooting. And you mentioned that we saw a shooting touch with him last season. Uh, so if Malachi came over to you and said, hey, teach is that what you call your teacher? Um, what do I need to do better in the second half of the season to, to bump up my grade? I honestly, it's tough to say because he's had such like when we watch, we're just watching what he does in the games and like he's barely had any time in the games. So he just has to get like and then he's also struggled when he's gone down to the G League. Like he got benched in a G League fourth quarter of a week or two ago. So like that, those are very like <laughs> glaring like you know, sirens kind of going off, like what's going on with this guy. So I think is whether if it's a confidence issue, he just has to regain confidence. And whenever his next opportunity come, if it comes, like if he is still on the team after the trade deadline, like that's not a given. Um, if he's still here and he gets another shot, you just have to make the most of it. Right. Like Fred Van Vliet, we know him now as being, you know, like the leader of the team, but it was legitimately a question whether Fred Van Vliet was going to stay on the roster when the Raptors had, Kyle, Corey Joseph, DeLon Wright. And Fred made the most of his opportunity when Corey and DeLon were out. He came in and he just took that opportunity and ran with it. And that landed him a a role on the team. There was legitimate talk of, well, the Raptors have a lot of guards. 
Uh, maybe they might cut some for tax position, or maybe they're trying to fill up on the wings instead. So they might cut Fred VanVleet. And that was a legitimate question. But Fred, you know, in that trial by fire, you know, he stuck it out. He bet on himself and made it. And Malachi Flynn, you know, you compare him to Fred a lot. Well, this is kind of your your moment where, you know, you've got, yourself, a guaranteed, you've got a guaranteed rookie deal. But also, like, you could be traded very quickly off this team if you don't have a role. I do kind of feel for him because the role's not there. But, like, the next opportunity gets, he, he, if he doesn't produce in that opportunity, I don't know how much more leash they really have for him, especially when, like, the role of backup point guard is kind of being split up with these big, big wings. And if he's not bringing anything else, like, I don't know. Like, the Raptors clearly need a shooter at the guard. And if he can't bring that, then they might just move on. So. So one guy who is making the most of his opportunity, betting on himself and has actually cracked a rotation spot is Justin Champagny. Did you have any preseason expectations of Justin? (laughs) Or actually, can you just give him a grade? Let's just give Justin a grade. Just a quick grade. Honestly, give him a B, uh, give him a solid B, B plus. Cause like, I think he deserves higher than a B or a B plus. Like, I I guess, honestly, he's a two-way guy. So I guess we can give him an A minus. Solid A minus. He's a two-way guy. That's fair. I didn't expect much coming into the season. I think in preseason, I was kind of shocked. Like if you look at his preseason results, like the thing that stands out, he was just like getting eight rebounds a game. No problem. In preseason, I was like, wow, he's a really good rebounder for his size. And uh, the fact that he's been able to kind of get in and not play more or less mistake-free basketball and just bring energy in that role is pretty good. I don't know what, like, in terms of prospect, like, what his ceiling is. I think he probably is just, like, an elite. Like, his ceiling would probably be as an elite role player because he doesn't really have many offensive skills. But the fact that he's come in and been a playable rotation player and he's cracked Nick Nurse's vaunted rotation, which is, like... How are you going to make that seven-man rotation? It is pretty incredible. So I'll give him an A minus. I think I think you're right. There we go. Okay. Uh, so I want to talk about Precious Achua, another second-year player. We just talked about Malachi. Now Precious, first year with the Raptors, second year in the league. What are your thoughts? You have often called him the worst offensive player you've ever seen <laughs> play basketball. <laughs> I, I I feel really bad for that because like Precious, it's just like. It's like a, he's legitimately a metronome because he, he'll he just go from being like making the greatest play you've ever seen to like making you question if this man has ever been on a basketball court. <laughs> and I think my, my new understanding of him is I think he might be too athletic for yeah. the dimensions of the court. He might le- legitimately just need to play on a bigger basketball court. I think the NBA and you know what, Adam Silver, you owe us one. You took away Pascal Siakam's triple-double the other day. I think the Board of Governors, and I want Larry Tannenbaum to go to them and be like, we need to expand the NBA court. We need a wider court, a little bit longer court. Let Precious Achua, you know, have a court that's built for his athleticism. <laughs> because most of the time, he's just running too fast or getting to a spot too quickly. And it's like... They won't even do that when cameramen are injuring people. They're not doing that. <laughs> yeah. But honestly, Precious Achua, it's, it's tough because, like, defensively he's been great like he's can switch on to the perimeter and literally guard anybody you see him guarding Giannis one-on-one you see him guarding the smallest guards one-on-one sticking with them and then on offense it's like half the time it's like you don't know where to go you're cutting into people there was a play in the Mavericks game where he came to set a pick for Pascal Pascal went to reject the screen and before Pascal could even like do anything with the screen Precious slips right in front of him so we end up with a situation where Pascal has rejected the screen and since Precious slipped the screen, 
Precious and Pascal are literally staring at each other. And it's like, why are you in front of me? What's going on? And then similarly, there's another play where OG gets a mismatch on um, Tim Hardaway Jr. He's posting him up, gets him deep in the post, and Precious just decides to cut directly into him for some reason. Uh, those are the questions. Playing, like, playing great defense. You're really questioning. Those. <laughs> His <It's> commitment a... <laughs> to defense is so good that he's Elite defending. defender on both ends. <laughs> he's literally an all-NBA defender, and he's guarding <laughs> all of the NBA at all times <laughs> from scoring. Uh, but yeah, uh, to give Precious a grade, I think you can. I think he has been legitimately the definition of a B. Like, there's the fact that he's able to play so many minutes and defend so well is great. Uh, the offense is truly atrocious at times, but then sometimes he clicks and he drops like what 17 points in a quarter against Memphis, and it's like, oh, I see it. And then you always just forget that oh, he's like 21, 22 years old. He's like one of the youngest guys on the team, just because he's so big and so muscular. You kind of forget that oh, he's actually like the youngest guy on the court right now for the Raptors. Uh, outside oh. of Scotty Barnes. So you said you didn't want to fail anybody, but I, I, I want you to fail somebody. So I'm just going to toss in Goran Dragic in this mix as another person that we acquired from Miami uh, in that Lowry deal. Yeah, I don't know. I don't like failing somebody when they don't even show up to class is kind of different. It's like one of those things where it's like you like you might you might have passed like you might have like passed your assignments, but you literally missed so many classes that we have to fail you. You didn't appear you in did, enough you classes. You didn't pass any assignments. That is also true. The fact like that he started two games, did nothing in them. He might have started three games, actually. I think he had a, the one. Oh, my God. I forgot how run. bad he was initially. Because <laughs> he started two games. It wasn't good. Came off the bench. Wasn't good. Sat for like seven, six, seven games. And then Fred got Fred was out of game. So like, hey, Goran, you haven't played in like three weeks. You want to start? Like, OK, wasn't good as a starter. And it's like, OK. And I think and again, I, I want to credit. I think it was Josh Lindbergh was talking about this. Um, he had mentioned, I think the situation there was that Goran wanted to play. He wanted to play the situation. The Raptors realized it wasn't really working out. So now they've gotten to the situation where the Raptors are like, okay, we're not going to play you and yeah. we're just going to wait till we trade you. So now he's not playing. So not only yeah. was he not a fit on the team, which is unfortunate. Um, there's also questions whether Goran is going to play at all this season, even if he gets traded. Um, there's some reports kind of going both ways with that but yeah you, you gotta fail goran Dragic, i guess hey well i don't know if you want to fail the dude because he did show fail up him. he gave he, no, gave, fail some, him. <laughs> he gave some good uh you know like promotional no, he material didn't. At the of the oh promotional material i was like like bullet if you're giving your own team bulletin board material i'm sorry i was gonna say like even in the minutes like do you remember like the raptors wanted to get out and run and it would just be goran walking the ball up and i'm like why? Well, to be fair, like he's like has like a thirty pound like leg brace on him. That's fine, but like it just I'm pretty fit. sure it his I'm sense. pretty sure his leg brace weighs more than Delano Banton does. Like Delano Banton and Chris Boucher, I don't think they can lift his leg brace. <laughs> like the first week, Miami was like outlet passes. <laughs> Kyle Lowry keeps pitching the ball ahead, and I'm like, Goran is walking it <laughs> up every single time. You guys not know what moving quickly means? Okay. So Goran gets an F from me. You are refu- you're very reluctant in giving him the F, but can we just say that you, you've given it to him? Yeah. Okay. Let's give him an F. Why not? Okay. Sorry, Goran. Now let's get into some of the guys that should be cracking the rotation. Uh, we're going to get into sort of our bench mix and start it with a guy who I think was one of the major bright spots last season in Tampa. And that is Chris Boucher. 
what would what were your preseason expectations for Chris Boucher coming in um and how has he looked thus far well I think all of us had high expectations for Chris like we thought I personally thought that coming into the season Chris would be you know like when Pascal's out Chris is going to be the starter and Scotty's going to start coming off the bench right until Scotty can grow into a bigger role most likely Chris is going to be the the main guy off the bench he's going to be ahead of Scotty in the rotation turns out no Chris gets hurt to start the season you know he hurt his finger had surgery um, so he was out Scotty comes out amazing now Chris is coming off the bench and just struggling he's playing with bench units and just completely struggling can't hit a shot just chucking up shots not playing defense not really doing any of the hustle plays and he can't make a shot to save his life and then so like he was legitimately failing the season I was completely personally done with him like I was losing my mind every time watching watching a game and then he hits the quarter season mark and some like a switch flips Yep. And he's like, I'm not taking threes anymore. I'm just going to crash like crazy and play like Dennis Rodman. And now he's like indispensable bench guy where Nick Nurse is closing with him. Like he's yeah. been in the closing lineup for like two games in a row. And it's like, yeah, that's a guy that you need on his team. And that's the Chris Boucher that we all saw last season. So <laughs> Chris Boucher is difficult to grade because like no matter what grade, it's like kind of an average. Because like if you talk about his recent play, solid A, like legitimate A. And if you talk about early season, like, truly like that is a real f like that was like completely fair i wanted to see if you're one of those teachers that has a recency bias so you one of those teachers that i loved or i'm like report cards are coming out now i know i need to set my game up well you're hoping to see that somebody's learned right like really the okay. object is like how you end and 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 end the season right like did you learn throughout the season like nobody wants to have a hot start and then like play like hot trash to end the season right so fair. it's definitely trending in the right direction for chris uh, you know what? I'm gonna give him a B minus. Why not? His play recently has been so good, and he has made himself into a legitimate role player. Where now, you know, there's a conversation where the Raptors might not trade him at the deadline, and he's like, you know, he's probably a player that you can maybe re-sign for a similar contract and keep as part of your team for the next couple of years. So, I'll give Chris a solid, um, solid B. All right. Now, I think one of our favorite guys who, unfortunately, hasn't been trending upwards but maybe trending downwards is another key bench should be a key bench rotation player and that is Utah Watanabe bright spot last season started off the year obviously besides the injuries the games that he was available for were really great and it's trended downwards preseason expectations and what's your grade for him thus far uh, I think he's just not done enough assignments so honestly I'm going to put Utah's going to be the guy who's going to go and let like not an incomplete. I think he's a. I think he's a C. I think he's a C C plus. Um, the games he has played when he showed up, the assignments he has done, like he's been solid B B plus, uh, A minus at times. He's had some great moments. I think lately, uh, ever since coming back from COVID, he hasn't been able to hit a shot. Um, his confidence has legitimately looked shook, where he's missing, blowing like wide open layups and making poor decisions as a result. Um, so we'll see how it kind of continues, but I think a C plus is the range for him. Again, with Utah, it's like he's an older player than you would expect. He's like what I think he's in the 25 to 27 range, right? I think he's 25, 26 already. Mm-hmm. So, again, he's a free agent this summer. Uh, how much ro- more rope do you give him? I think the Raptors need him to be part of the rotation. He's he's, he's 27, so he is yeah. the same age as uh, born in 94, same as Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam. Yeah. So, with Utah, it's like, all right, well, this is kind of like it's not like he's going to grow into a much better player than this but you want to see him be able to make that three consistently because we've seen stretches of doing yeah. that. 
It's just that every time he's had a stretch to do that, he's gotten injured. All those stretches of injured ended with him being injured, and he has been injury prone, even though they've been rather random injuries. Yeah. So you're hoping for the back half of the season that he can kind of get healthy and stay healthy because he has the best chance out of the bench guys to crack the rotation. Yeah. Because um, you've seen Nick trust him before in high leverage situations. So you um, know that Nick loves Utah Watanabe because of how regularly he uses those challenges on Utah Watanabe. That is that is a telltale sign as if you're a Nick Nurse guy. But I, I think you said it with Utah there. He we know that he's great defensively. We know that he can sort of fit in there. And if he can hit his if he can hit the three and his shot looks good to me. Like you can let me know what you think. He shot it, I think, about forty percent last season, anyway. So like we know that he has the ability to get there, uh, and if he can maintain a thirty-seven, thirty-eight percent average, I just I feel like Utah is a very um, I'm, I'm high on Utah. I, yeah. I want him to like on the season. On up. the season, he's like 34.5 percent. But it's just a uh, like for him, it's it's more about being the consistency. Of bringing that versus like how volatile it is. It's like when he's slumping, he'll be like literally not making a shot for like three or four games. And then when he's doing well, it's like, this is the perfect bench player that you need. Right. So I think when you're in a bench role, it's like developing consistency is really important. Uh, and he hasn't shown that. And also like basically his finishing inside needs to improve. Like, I, yeah. I don't know how much it improved, but he's been really rough finishing, especially at the rim or inside yeah. the arc. So it was a good, like I, it's something about his like, even the lanes, like, I feel like they're like, He's is that what it is? It's, Where it's like, it's almost like it's in and out all the time. <laughs> and I'm just like, it looks good. And then it just doesn't go down. Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess that's what it is. Utah is like the most almost good player on the Raptors. Like he's he really literally right is. there where you're like, man, sometimes you're like, if all these things work, you could literally be Manu Ginobili, which is crazy. But I, that's how high I was on Utah. I was like, oh, like if all this works, he could be so good. He's got size. He's a great defender. And he, and he like clearly is a good decision maker, but then it's just like the shots never seem to go in when you really, really need them. It's like, ah, it's almost there. To be fair to the bench, because I agree that consistency is what you need, but to be fair to this bench, it's really hard to have consistency when you're missing so many guys in and out of the lineup and the Raptors have just been playing the way that they have. Um, so, so yes, I agree with you, but it almost feels unfair to a lot of these guys that they've just had to deal with, whether it be themselves being out or other guys just in and out of the lineup. Um, and now for a guy who also has some bright moments, but like almost feels like you need a little bit more to sort of complete it is my guy's FEMA high look. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> preseason expectations has he met those um what are your grades what does he need to do to bump that up as well bro make a shot (laughs) please like Euclidean Thompson out here just has not gotten it done and it's 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 wild like I've I've seen Svi for a while like he was a Lakers summer league guy who got brought onto the team as a late second round pick and I was like oh he has a really pretty looking shot and then when you look close enough you're like oh he does not make them that often and i think we actually spoke about this i think in a pre preseason pod that we did um where we talked about what do we think about svi being joined and i'm like he's like he's another one of those like kind of like fake shooters where it's like you, just because of the way he looks you're like oh he must be a shooter he's got a pretty looking shot he takes a lot of shots a lot of the plays run for him or like you know ones that you would run for a three-point specialist and then you look at him he's like man he's like shoots 33 percent for most of his career and now you know why because like a lot of the times, like, he'll even get open, he'll get a shot off, and then 
I have never seen someone shoot so many air balls. Like, how many air balls are you going to shoot as a shooter? It's it's incredible. And honestly, like, it's just a matter of it's this is what happens when, you know, this is why he's been on so many different teams. This is why, uh, you know, you were able to get him on a minimum contract as your 15th guy or 14th guy in the offseason. It's because the consistency is never there. And for whatever the prospect is on him, there's just not enough put together for him to I think be an NBA roster guy so it's unfortunate I think we were probably asking too much of him to be the backup shooting guard I always saw him as a third stringer um, or being like a specialist spot shooter if you really need him but at the beginning of the season he started off hot from three and then has just basically not hit a three for like two months so if you're a shooter and you're not making the shots then I don't really know what to tell you uh, so see I, I I guess I give him a D plus. Like <laughs> he does give us a highlight here and there. It's also incredible that Svi has like as I don't know what Svi has more missed dunks or air balls. Like they're both high. They, uh, they might both be in the double digits, which is incredible. Is that like Alex Wong has the three pointer or turnover <laughs> count? Are you going to do the missed dunks or well, air balls count? Is Alex, that what we're gonna Alex, get? Is, Alex is a true feed because now he's like counting Svi's shots after after a whistle too. <laughs> like even that didn't go in, which is insane. Oh no. Uh, yeah, it's unfortunate for Svi that the season's gone the way it's gone for him. Um, the Raptors could really use him. Like clearly, I think defensively he's been passable. Like he's been better than I thought he would be. Um, and he's been able to use his size, but the offense just hasn't been there. And you need that guy to not just make like be a, you can't be a negative on offense. And I think the problem is a lot of the Raptors and the bench guys have just been negatives on offense too many times where it's hurting you. So C is definitely, I think, in the, the D territory. I mean, yeah. Speaking of a guy who a bench player that I don't think has been a negative at all, actually. I just, he hasn't been available. And it's unfortunate, and I, especially when you deal with stuff like knee swelling, because who knows what causes that, how long that is going to linger and be there is, is Ken Birch. He is so integral to what this Raptors team does. Um, what grade are you giving him? It's Ember unfortunate team. that, like, you can't, like, it's hard to knock someone because you're like, you're not there. And, like, what's the saying? The best ability is availability. availability. And that's that's legitimately, at the end of the day, that's the issue with Kem, right? Like, he started this, like, unfortunately, like, you know, he had COVID just before the season started. So he missed all of training camp. Um, he missed the first couple of games of the season. And then it took him quite a few games just to get back, um, to get his lungs back. When Kem has been out there, that's, I think, the best look for the Raptors is Kem at center. And then you have whichever four of the five you want, right? Whether it's Gary or Scotty coming on the bet off the bench, yeah. whichever one you want. I think the standard look with Gary as a starter, that look, I think we saw it last season and we're seeing it this season. It's always worked. And it's the most, I think, playoff viable lineup where it's like you can trust that lineup to play solid defense and get you solid offense. And really, like the reason the Raptors are at 500 instead of say, like, you know, five games over 500 is because Ken Burch has missed half the games. And yeah. I think. It's very clear that, and the few games that he's played um, coming off of injury, coming back from injury, you can noticeably tell when Kem isn't healthy because he's kind of not moving around a lot. But he's the Raptors' best short roll guy. The Raptors need someone on the short roll to make those passes. If he was available, honestly, 
like the perfect thing would the Ra- be the Raptors if they had two Kem Birches, right? So you could have Kem Birch started and then Kem Birch come off the bench. Off the bench, um, yeah. Right? Even as good as Precious has been, like when Precious is bad, he's very bad. So you need two Kems. But unfortunately, not having Kem has been has been tough, especially on the season. Also because Kem is also a sneaky good career free, like at drawing free throws. Very good at drawing free throws, which is very surprising for like the bit role that he plays. Like he's just a nominal, like a role playing five that rules. But and he can and he like can finish those tips like I like yeah. as an offensive rebounder and that's where he's going to be drawing a lot of his fouls as well. It's just like it's nice to have someone in there who can put it back in. <laughs> like, yeah. so. Love you, Justin Champagny, absolute rebounding machine. But having Kim Birch in there is just yeah. he anchors your defense. He's so useful to what this Raptors yeah. team. Yeah, and it's, it's like he's one of the older dudes on the team. He's kind of signed to be one of the current prime guys. So for him to be out has been one of the one of the rougher things so on the season my favorite thing if i could just interrupt that of us talking about these older dudes on the team is that they're still like 27 (laughs) they're like older dudes on the team 27 (laughs) of the guys who play cam and chris are the oldest dude yeah they're 28 and they're they're 29 (laughs) 28 28 28. yeah Yeah. ken birch is the oldest ken birch outside of goron jogic is probably the oldest person on the team because he's i think cam might be younger because Chris Boucher's birthday was January 1993. I think Ken Birch is a 92. Yeah, so Ken Birch is like three months older than Chris. So yeah, they're 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 both the oldest dudes on the team, and they're 29. So the Raptors do scale younger, but it is unfortunate that Ken's been missing so much time. Like I don't know how to grade him. Like it's very much an incomplete grade, but yeah. it's one of those incomplete grades where it's like you can do your homework later. Like you can catch up on these assignments later. It's not like Goran Dragic, who's not going to have time to catch up on assignments. So I'll give him a B minus. I think it's like when he's played, he's been a solid B plus A minus, but he just hasn't been around for enough. So you got to drop him a letter grade. So yeah, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. This team could look. I think what's unfortunate about it is I just mentioned it knee swelling. We just don't know when that's going to clear up, and he'll just be here consistently. All right, let's move into the starters. All right, so the starting lineup, we can start with, or do you have anything else? Because I didn't mention all of the bench players there. We've got other guys, Isaac Bonga. um, uh, Who else am I forgetting here? I feel like with the deep bench guys, there's really not much to say. Like, yeah, I, I was gonna say none of them have none of them have made any type of impression in the minutes they played, and they're all like you know mostly playing in the G League. So again, it's like you know maybe play if they can play more than five ten games in the season, then maybe you start thinking about them. But again, none of them have shown anything that you know warrants them playing any minutes or any reasonable basketball for the Raptors as of right now, right? So. All right, so let's start with the starters. Let's get into another guy who's missed significant time. When he's played, has looked absolutely phenomenal. Uh, what were your preseason expectations of Gary Trent Jr.? Gary and Trent what grade would you give him right now? Yeah, Honestly, Gary Trent Jr., again, I, the, the, work, the thing that's really been tough with him has been the freak, like just the injury time. That he oh. Right. And okay, but you can I also, you can if you want to give him some starter. extra credit, sorry, if he can get yeah. some extra credit, bench outfits yeah he's definitely taken that Sergi Baca role of showing up on the bench like just ready to stand out like there's nothing funnier than seeing because the Raptors playing a short rotation it's like on the bench there'll only be like 
three Raptors on the bench at any time that aren't in like their warmups, like full warmups. Yeah. It'll be like Justin Champagne, Chris Boucher that are wearing jerseys because they're going to sub in. And then it's Gary Trent Jr. in whatever outlandish outfit he's wearing. And then just like five dudes, like basically dressed up in warmups. And it, it. it is quite the spectacle to see on court. So I got to give that to, got to give that up to Gary Trent. But in terms of his play, I think he's been a solid uh, B plus A minus this season. Um, I'll give him an A minus because I don't yeah. think any of us expected the defense and the steals, even though he's tailed off a little bit and has been gambling a little bit more as of late. Um, he, the the pull-up shooting has been just like a massive boon to the offense. And in the time that he's been away, you've seen how the Raptors have struggled in the half court, especially when teams load up on Fred and Pascal and they just don't have that additional shooter to hurt teams. And Gary just makes a ton of hard, hard shots. He's also really fun to watch. So uh, from the entertainment perspective, Gary is like a solid AA plus because like there's nothing more entertaining to see than Gary Trent turn down an open shot to take a contested shot and drill that shot. <laughs> People were really like up and down on Gary Trent Jr. after the trade last year. And I think giving up on a guy like Norman Powell, who was playing the best basketball of his career. Um, for Gary Trent Jr., especially because, and I get it with fans, it, you want to, you're looking at the on-the-court product right now as opposed to thinking about what that's going to look like in five or six years. And Gary Trent Jr. being six years younger than Norman Powell matters a lot to Miss Ujiri and Bobby Webster building the team. But as fans consuming the product, we're like, give us the best player right now. We want to watch the best product right now. Um, and, and Gary had some really high moments coming out right away. He hit those game winners. He had his career high. He was riding on a high. And then and I don't think this is so much a fault to, to Gary. One, is he that he got injured? And two, is that he was playing with a lot of guys that weren't actual rotational players that he had to really sort of carry. And we saw his numbers dip. And we saw people start to turn on him a little bit and his defense was brought up as a main issue. So coming into this season, you said it pleasantly surprised with his defense. He was leading the league in deflections for at least a quarter of the season um, and could very well have continued to be if he just wasn't injured all the time. Um, Just incredibly active hands and he provides exactly what this Raptors team needs. So often when we watch this game, we're like, if Kem and Gary were here, if Kem and Gary were here, and it's unfortunate that Raptors have just missed both of them for, for so much time. And the hope is that Gary Trent Jr.'s uh, back soon. You're hoping that the ankle swelling kind of dies down and it becomes a non-issue moving forward because, again, he's been 40 – he's shooting 48% um, from two-point range, and a lot of that is pull-up two-pointers at mid-rangers, which he's been incredible at. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information, 
information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And then he's shooting 37% from three on 7.3 attempts, and he does not take a lot of easy attempts. He has a lot of catch and shoots, but he also takes some very difficult ones. So to have that ability and have that guy on the team is up. And the best part is he just turned 23. So he's also one of the youngest guys. Incredibly young. So... Um, it's awesome that the Raptors have a guy like that. The contract sure could be better, but like solid A minus for this season so far, he's been a solid A minus. All right. So another guy who major step up this season, especially with Pascal Siakam out of the lineup to begin, was OG Ananobi. And I have his numbers here just to sort of give you a, a snapshot when Pascal was out OG Ananobi really needed to step up into a role that we've never seen him in he needed to be the primary option on offense or at least like 1a alongside with Fred Van Vliet. and in that role he averaged 20.5 points 5.6 boards 2.8 assists on 52.3 percent true shooting um, and he had a usage rate of 24 percent of over that actually since Pascal has come back, those numbers have taken a dip, but his efficiency has gone up uh, to 56.1% true shooting. The points only down to 18.3. The rebounds, all, all of it took just a small dip, nothing considerable. What were your preseason expectations for OG Ananobi, especially knowing that Pascal Siakam would be missing time? And what do you think about his role now as a tertiary option and has he maximized that for you uh yeah i think uh and even like those numbers before pascal game like really it's like those are really they're they're very much put down by the first two games of the season which are just like oddly poor shooting nights from the raptors across the board like the raptors offense if you remember just wasn't working and then they bench core and drogic and suddenly it was like oh now they're playing the style they should be and then og started exploding and really showing what he could do like before he got his hip injury if you take out those two first two games um Mm -hmm. he was shooting 46 percent from the field 40 percent from three on seven and a half attempts like he was incredible until pascal came back and then once pascal came back and he settled into this third third role he since coming back from hip injury i think his balance has been a little bit worse than it was to start the season um so i think he's still kind of working back up to it but He's looked good. Like he's able to get you difficult buckets. I think the looks that he gets in the post, he's very effective at. Uh, the decision making's been a little bit iffy here and there. I think his defense has slipped a bit this season as he's been gambling a little bit more. But again, with OG Ananobi, I think what we've seen this season is a lot more like the plays he's making are of a higher difficulty, 
and of a higher understanding of uh, his role and greater responsibility. So there'll be a lot of times when it's like whenever Fred Van Vliet sits, it's usually Pascal and OG are out there and they're taking turns trying to carry the offense. And they've done a pretty good job of it. And OG's been really good in that role. And I think as the season progresses, it's going to become very difficult for teams to handle OG Ananobi being the third guy in that starting lineup, especially once you get, you know, Gary comes back. Yeah, once you get Gary back and you have normal spacing, OG mm-hmm. Ananobi becomes incredibly difficult to handle because at his height, like OG Ananobi has at his best games, he'll give you 30 on incredible shooting and just like absolutely dominate a game, right? So does so, that mean an A minus? Uh, the thing is, I don't want to dock him for the injury because it wasn't his fault. It was a he got hurt in practice, and it was probably because Precious was running too fast and in the wrong direction. You're gonna uh, blame Precious? I don't want well, to blame that, OG and Obi. It, it was Precious. Fault. I think well, Precious and OG did collide in practice, and that's how OG <laughs> did get hurt. So Precious being too strong for his own good. Um, so I'm not gonna dock OG points for that. Uh, so yeah, I guess an A minus is fine. I would give him a B plus A minus. He's just kind of. Right, right. I'm giving you. I'm gonna give you that A minus OG Ananobi for you to step up. In you remember the Raptors were were winning games. They were above 500 when they welcomed in Pascal Siakam. That was because OG Ananobi. He was doing it efficiently as well. Like was he really stepped up into a role that I just didn't really recognize for him. And there's still a lot of room to grow in his game. And I think we see that with Pascal coming back. And you're like, okay, guy who can get to the line as efficient uh, as much as he does. Uh, a guy who's just a better decision maker with the ball as well. And just uh, his handle is much tighter than OG Ananobi's. His playmaking is is better, but like they're, they're different players. I don't know why I'm comparing them right now, but you can see the sort of spaces in OG's game where he needs to grow to take that next step. But the major leap that he did take and being able to do it efficiently. And then like, I don't, maybe I'm just like that Bucks game is just ingrained in my memory, <laughs> but like just watching them load up on Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi really stepping up in those moments and being the only other productive offensive player for the Raptors in very much needed times has just warmed my heart to OG Ananobi. So you get an A minus for me, buddy. This other guy is a tough grader, except when it comes to Goran Dragic. Uh, <laughs> all right. So uh, Fred Van Vliet came into this season. Fred Van Vliet is like my favorite story in basketball. Like I, I want the 30 for 30 on him. He came into this, you know, undrafted player. We, we know the whole, we know the whole deal with his sort of trajectory, but even in, in, in coming into this season, he was tasked with taking the, the keys to the car, if you will, and really being the, the captain of the team and the leader of the team and steadying the team and playing at an elite level. And there's a lot of talk on if he's a point guard, if he's not a point guard, does that matter? And I just, I don't think it matters. I think the Raptors said positions, what are those? And have just tossed the idea of any of that mattering out the window. And you can tell me what you think about that, but there's not enough good things I could say about Fred Van Vliet. I think every time I come on here, uh, if I'm talking to Amit, I'm like, wrap him up in bubble wrap. He is so integral to what the Raptors do. There's not another one of him. Pascal, I think is also integral. I think Pascal is the, like, is the best. I think like they're the, interchangeable if someone told me Pascal is the best player but someone told me Fred Van Vliet's the best player I'm not going to really fight them on it but one thing I will say is the Raptors can 
sustain a Pascal Siakam injury and prove that they could do that, but cannot do that for Fred Van Vliet. And I don't know if that bumps up his grade because he's so invaluable to what the Raptors do, but I just had to wax poetic before I gave the mic to you. What is your grade for Fred Van Vliet? Uh, well, Fred Van Vliet gets probably like what? If not even an A plus, like he's done extra credit. The dude's, the dude's <laughs> playing 40 minutes a night. He's only missed three games all season. <laughs> like even if you wanted to dock him for a game, you're there. Like he's done like 30 extra credit assignments and he has like 120% right now. There, I think there's nothing more you can ask from Fred Van Vliet. He's played the most minutes on the team. He's carried the load. He's improved. Has he not team. played the most minutes in the league? Yeah, like, I don't even think you could say I, the team at either, this point. I, I forget. He's either first or second in minutes in the league. I don't know exactly where he ranks but i'm pretty sure like right right up there um i can the only person i can imagine who had more minutes maybe is like nikola Jokic or someone um but I, I can't. <laughs> also a plus <laughs> yeah so like fred van vliet and every impact metric shows it like you see all these articles about mvps and it's like oh look at the the advanced stats they rank this this and this and then slide slightly just like kyle Lauer used to it's like oh fred van vliet's on this list in the top five how did he make it there uh, he's been everything for this team this season. Uh, hmm. He's been, you know, everything you can probably expect. He does average the most amount of minutes in the league. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, I don't think there's any. By can else. I can I sorry yeah. to interrupt you. He averages the most minutes in the league by a full minute. Like the next guy is James Harden, who's a full minute behind him, and then everybody else is just glued together in that 36, 37 range. Pascal stands alone, or not Pascal Fred VanVleet. Yeah, it's it's kind of absurd. I think no matter what expectation you had from him as high as it, even if he literally became, he's literally putting up 2015, 2016 Kyle Lowry stats. And you can say, yeah, Kyle Lowry is prime was better than Fred Van Vliet is now, but guess what? Fred Van Vliet's getting to the point where, Hey, you know what? He's a different type of player, but he's yeah, basically as good. Him? He's in, he's incredible. Well, like, why are we even comparing? They're just two different players. They bring but us two it's different not, things. It's not even about comparing them. It's like, Hey, you wanted to start to fill the role that the Kyle Lowry's leaving. Yeah, Fred VanVleet stepped up and filled it right out of the gate, and I don't like I I don't want to hear a single complaint about him. I think he's an all star, and without it out, honestly, it's there's nothing else to really say about Fred VanVleet. Perfect grade. Yeah, I I can't like I don't know that Fred VanVleet could have had a better season. I don't know that you could write a better season for Fred VanVleet than what he's doing right now. Yeah. It's and, insane. He's and, he like. He's shooting. Sorry to just interrupt, but like, and you are a big proponent of just like Fred needs to shoot more. Fred needs to shoot more. This is a guy taking almost 10 threes a game, 9.8 threes a game and shooting 40%. It is insane. Directors need every single bit of what he does. And what's crazy is I think like, if you think about Fred Van Vliet and you think of like his best like performances, I think the closest you've seen him play to the way he's played this season is in that first round bubble series against the Nets where he just utterly obliterated that Nets team. And sure, that wasn't really a real team. It was basically a a bunch of G leaguers. It was a big team, but that was a a performance where you're like, Oh, that's kind of like, that's like, Oh, if I wanted to see Fred Van Vliet as number one option, like that's what you see as peak. He shot 53% from the floor, 56% from three had was averaging 22 points a game four rebounds and, eight assists and mm. like you know like the percentage of course in the single series you get hot but like the fact that he's done over 39 games and basically put up those like same similar numbers it's like oh wow Fred Van Vliet is literally ascending to he's a guy who is like number one on everyone's scouting report and you've seen that the last two weeks Dallas literally guarded him the entire way up the floor and was sending two guys to trap him at like almost half court it's um 
the fact that you can say that about a guy who was not drafted, like it's not like undrafted, I think gets used so much. People forget what it means. Literally nobody picked him. Nobody picked him. <laughs> like he did not get picked. He should not be here. Uh, and yet he is like, there's like, I was, I was actually last night, I was watching old interviews of when Fred was uh, trying to make the summer league team. And he had an interview and he said, he's like the last team I got cut from. He's like, I'm happy to make the Raptors. He's like, he's like, I haven't been cut much in my life, but I was cut. The last team I got cut from was the Pan Am team for the U S and that U S Pan Am team, I think had Bobby Brown as their best player. That Pan Am, it was like one of those tournaments where the U S doesn't send any of their good players. So they're just looking for random, like Americans, like college players. And Fred VanVleet didn't make that team. You and said Bobby how- Brown and I just pictured Whitney's yeah. husband. <laughs> And exactly because no one really knows who Bobby Brown is. Um, and that might even be the right name. I'm pretty sure it's Bobby Brown. Uh, and that was the tournament. I think Jamal Murray, Jamal Murray played in that tournament. So, something happened. But in any case, yeah, Fred Beverly didn't make that team. And now he's an all-star. Like he couldn't I, make I like, can't... the F team for the United States. And now he's legitimately an all-star. I can't speak to to why he didn't make that team. But here's what I'll say about Fred VanVleet. It It's... And what's so special about him is it's not like he was just this player this entire time. We've watched him grow into this, which I think is so incredible. Is every season he comes and adds something new to his game. Um, he was not like what we're watching right now is not the Fred Van Vliet that existed three, four years ago. It's it's a it's not the Fred Van Vliet that existed last season. It has just been an improvement year in and year out. And he's doing that while maintaining a high level of efficiency and playing every single minute. It is insane. What he's doing right now is just my brain struggles to comprehend it. He's been so fantastic. And I don't know. Is there another good thing you could say about him? Were you just giving him 100%? Is that what you said? Or you said yeah, 101%? Right, right. Yeah, you give him 101%. Why not? Like 101%. There's, there's nothing bad to say about Fred Fatley. At all, except if there were two of him, also would be very useful to this team. <laughs> okay, and bringing it to a guy who's missed some time, came back a little bit shaky when he in his first few games with the team, but since I think has been an all star. He's a guy who's taken a lot of flack from this fan base, especially in the last year and a half since the bubble. Um, and he's just been absolutely spectacular. He's been so stellar. There's a lot of talk as if, if he can be a number one option or what any of that means. But I think what we're seeing from him and Pascal is how I mean, him and Fred is how perfectly they fit together, um, how one benefits the other in so many different ways. Uh, and that's Pascal Siakam. I slipped up and said his name. I've been trying to say his name this entire time. He's just such a treat and such a joy to watch. He... You can tell when he's having fun playing basketball and he looks like he's having fun playing basketball, despite the fact that Nick Nurse plays him so many minutes. It just should not be fun at that point anymore. Um, But he's been uh, an all-star caliber player. I think he's been an all-NBA caliber player. I don't know that he's going to make it just because we talked about this last week. That has to do with the time that he's missed. Um, But he's been phenomenal. What are your thoughts? What is your grade? Preseason expectations first. And how has he fulfilled those? Uh, preseason expectations, I was just hoping Pascal would come back healthy and then kind of revert. I think at the end of last season, he had started playing a lot better. And I'm like, all right, he's getting back to form. And then, all right, let's see this season how it goes. I expected him to be better than the season before. Uh, the fact that he's gotten yes. this this good, this quick after coming out of surgery, like those first five games were a little rough. 
but like you know you could tell his energy wasn't fully there he could wasn't missing defensive assignments he has basically become like the anchor of the raptors defense while they've been missing these centers he's been rebounding everything and he's been their half court creator the playmaking leap that pascal siakam has taken this season is it's incredible to watch where he's and it's like in past seasons, it was like you could see Pascal like processing what he was doing in the half court and making decisions kind of on the fly. Like he didn't really have a plan. Now it's like you see Fred and you see this with Fred and Pascal is they play like veterans. They go out there, yeah. they have a plan. And I think the best game that I think we've seen, and we, Pascal's played so many good games. Like Bucks game is his best game. But I think from like the standpoint of him being a different player, that game against the Sixers where the Raptors had literally no players, whereas I think, Pascal, Delano, um, Gary, and then just like maybe they had four other guys and some yeah. hardship guys. And Pascal kept that game close the entire way and just dominated. Like he made every decision that you'd want your star to make. And just the maturity that he's shown on the court and the leap he's taken, like he's playing better than he did his all NBA season. And whether like the court, like the raw numbers might not show it, but it's the actual like, when you see him on the court, the decisions he's making and how he's affecting defenses and how he understands how he's affecting. He's constantly making the right pass. He's making very difficult passes. Those passes he made to Chris Boucher in the Milwaukee Bucks game were a pass that Pascal couldn't make last season, the season before. It's incredible what he's taken as a leap, and he's truly a number one guy on this team. And, you know, once he gets a season, like once he gets a summer back, he talks about how important the summers are to improve his game. Like his free throw shooting hasn't been um, as good as it's been in past seasons, which is expected coming off a of shoulder surgery, not getting as much shot work in. But I think that Pascal Siakam is still a plus prospect for the Raptors. I think anybody who's written him off as being just like a number two as a ceiling, I think he still has a ceiling as being a number one guy on our team. I also don't think that matters. And he's, he's a special player. Like what he's shown is that he's actually grown into the number one role in the same way yeah. that people would harp on DeMar DeRozan. I think Pascal Siakam this season has been better than DeMar DeRozan has been arguably in any of his seasons as a Raptor because of what Pascal does. And I'm just talking about Pascal offensively. I think DeMar, great offensive player when he was with the Raptors, but I think you could make the argument that Pascal has been just as good as him this season, especially with the playmaking leap that he's taken. And then he has all the It's allowed for, like, even in in talking about Fred Van Vliet and just his ability to shoot 40% on 9.8 attempts a game, his game opens up so much when you can trust Pascal Siakam to bring the ball up and play make at the level that he's doing right now. So like that allows, you know, I, I, I joked about the Raptors throwing away positions, but I mean, Fred Van Vliet likes to play off ball. Like that he, it's something he's comfortable with. He's an excellent catch and shoot uh, guy. And you're just opening up his game so much more, especially considering the minutes load that he's taking right now by not always having the ball in his hands and being able to trust a guy like Pascal Siakam, who, not enough good things you could say about Pascal, at least for me. So he gets an A plus from me. Uh, what is his grade for you as well? I'm giving him an A plus. I think it doesn't matter um, that he had a like rough start to the season. I think all this stuff that comes in, all this baggage um, on the previous seasons that people have on their mind, they just need to forget about it because Pascal Siakam is an All NBA level player. Like that's yeah. what he is. He should probably be an All Star. He won't be because of record and just the time yeah. missed. But that's the quality of player it is. I would be. I think if he's able to stay healthy. Uh, fingers crossed and play out the rest of the season. He's the guy who's going to take the Raptors and see their ceiling. Like if the Raptors are going to, you know, put it all together, get healthy and get to like maybe the second round of the playoffs, 
Pascal Siakam is the reason you're going to get there. And um, I think that, that he has a ceiling as a player that I think if you've put a ceiling on him, I think you should reconsider that because he is very much a still a number one option type ceiling on him. In the words of Blue Ivy, I've never seen a ceiling in my whole life. All right. So next guy that I want to give uh, that I want you to give a grade to is some guy who's taking a little bit of heat this year. Uh, he's had a difficult hand to work with. His name is Nicholas Nurse. If you could give Nick a grade, what would you what would you give coach? Uh, honestly, Nick, you know, I, I, I feel like an apologist for Nick at times because I feel like every time like Nick gets harped on, I'm like, well, there's a good reason for it. And it's like maybe I'm yeah. too much lost in the sauce and the, like being a Nick Nurse fan. But like, honestly, like he plays his guys way too many minutes. But also it's just like, why wouldn't you play these guys minutes like? I'd play them that many minutes if I was on the team. And if those guys okay, you've seen the rest of the roster, exactly. That's why. So like, and honestly, like you've got to give it up to Nick nurse. Um, Cause as much as people will talk about, Oh, they're giving up corner threes they're doing this and that every single star player that comes through always complains about how annoying it is to play against Nick nurse and his defenses. Mm. And it's one thing that people, I don't think give Nick enough credit for is he's one of, the more creative coaches in the league. Like he's willing to try literally anything. And I think having someone that's that open-minded as your coach, it feels like you have any possibility because you can do whatever you want. It's like, Oh, if this player is like Chris Boucher is now operating like really well in this specific role, it's like, Oh, we're going to figure out how to use him in that role as much as we can. And it's like, you don't like, there's no boxes on players per se. Um, I think the minutes, I'll give him an A minus. I think, I think there's no reason to give him too high of a grade or too low of a grade, but I'll give him a solid A minus. I think Nick's been fine. Um, again, I think it's good. Like since he's won a championship, there's and I think there's an understanding that Nick, Bobby, Masai, and the Raptors organization kind of works in one go. And you've seen yeah. that in Miami. You see that where like you can be annoyed. Like Miami fans might be annoyed at Spolster's rotations or what he's playing or whatever in like the short term. But, but having that type of coach where you can just kind of rely on him and know mm-hmm. that it's not just one system, but he can change his system over time. Right. It's like a Popovich type coach, um, having a long-term, having long-term stability at coach is I think important. I think he's had a good, good season so far. Yeah. I think when, yeah, like Masai came into the situation and and he adopted Kyle Lowry, he adopted DeMar DeRozan, he adopted Dwayne Casey. And you always kind of feel like when a new guy comes in, it's like, well, who's he going to change? What's he going to do? This isn't a team that he's married to. He didn't draft Jonas. Like none of these guys are his guys. And now you're looking at this team. You're like, Nick is his guy. Scouts his guy. Fred's his guy. So it kind of feels like this is Masai's core. There's just, there, it seems to be like a, a three headed brainchild, which is Nick nurse. Pas- uh, Pascal. I keep wanting to say his name. <laughs> Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster, which is really great. Um, here's what I'll say for, for Nick. You can't beat Dwayne Casey, and I don't understand it, so I'm going to dock you some points there, but you embarrass Mike Budenholzer every single time. Um, Playing your guys 40 minutes on the second night of a back-to-back is incredibly ballsy coaching, Um, but it was fun to watch because it ended up in a win. So, Nick Nurse, you're like, to me, a B-plus this season. That's the grade that I'm going to give you. Uh, A nice balance, and I think those two games are, are perfect examples of why. Now I want to take a step back and talk about the team as a whole. What did you think about their offense coming into this year? 
Uh, just to give you some numbers right now, the Raptors are 12th in offensive efficiency, um, tied with the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, and right below the Golden State Warriors at 110.3. Uh, well, it's like one of those things where it's like this team has played four different types of lineups yeah. and rosters, right? So, like, again, these season stats, they more or less meaningless to me. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm more interested in seeing, like, if they can be healthy, which is a big if, what's it going to look like the rest of the season away? Like, now that you have Pascal Siakam in full go, Fred VanVleet in full go, Odeon Anobi in full go, that's the team that really matters. Like, if those guys are healthy and they're playing for a long time, that's kind of what you want to see the stats. Mm-hmm. You know, I was uh, – so – um, Amit and I were talking a couple of weeks ago and we were kind of going through these offensive and, and defensive efficiency numbers. And I kind of likened it at the time, this was a ways ago, Ken Birch in the lineup and Ken Birch not in the lineup was kind of 50, 50 of the season and their offensive rating with him in spectacular. It was like a t- one of the top in the league. And then without, I think it was 30th, right. At that time it was when Pascal had just come back. All things were bad for the Toronto Raptors. So I guess outside of looking at the numbers, when the team has been together and you know who your core guys are and they are playing, how has that offense looked for you? What were your expectations coming in and how have they, I think based off of the conversation that we've had thus far, I'm going to say you're surprised, pleasantly surprised by it. You're probably going to give it a nicer grade. Um, But what are your thoughts on it? I think with all the guys healthy, the offense looked really good. Uh, the hybrid and bench units, they still struggle because like, you just don't have enough good players and not enough shooting. Like the spacing has been a little rough, but the main starting lineup, they've looked great. There's up in the ball around, they're getting good looks. And I think the ability of Pascal Siakam, since like Pascal Siakam returning to that, this all NBA level and being this good as a playmaker completely changes the way the offense works. Right. Cause now Fred becomes this off ball weapon that you've Mm -hmm. never had. And then if you have Gary and OG out there, suddenly you have so much spacing and Pascal Siakam is hitting the paint every single possession with ease. You yeah. cannot guard Pascal Siakam with one defender. Um, no. And that's been made clear um, recently. And so, Pascal's talked about his like in-between game going, and that was like the big step that he wanted to take in the yeah. season. And we've seen that thus far as well. Yeah. So even though like the Raptors, I think, still don't get enough easy points, I think they make it up with the offensive rebounding. Um, again, oh if Ken Burch, is, Ken Burch is healthier, I think the Raptors would get a little bit more easier offense because him and Fred had great chemistry, but it feels like it's been ages since we've seen any of that. Um, so that's unfortunate. But I think the Raptors, on the whole this season, I think they're probably like a, like a mid-teens in offense. Like I think at their height, they can be like a like 10th in offense when everything's They're clicking. 12th already. Yep. And then like I think this is a good spot for them offensively, and I think defensively they have – at the end of the, the day, they have potential. Top, top five, top seven potential in the league yeah. because that's just how good the talent is on the team. And whether they get there is a matter of, you know, time and health. Yeah, I definitely like, no, their offense when Pascal came back, I think was still really good because Pascal was, was fine offensively. It was their defense that just was 30th ranked in, in the NBA, at least to that point. That was very early on in the season. Um, I think for me, the issue is needing all of your guys to be healthy. Like if that's a caveat that you need when talking about grading your team, you're, you're too thin because like, even when the Raptors won a championship, that was without OG and Anobi, right? And I'm not saying that we're looking for this team to be contenders by any means, but even in the post Kawhi Leonard year, how many games did Marcus Ole and Kyle Lowry and Pascal, like all of these guys miss considerable time. And what was special about the Raptors was how deep they are and how we, and how they were able to maintain success um, with one, two or three guys out of the lineup. 
And this season, it feels like it, it sucks because it's like it's so many guys out for so long and you have not been able to play anyone together. So this kind of feels extreme. But in order to be like a, a good offense on a good team, not just like a team hoping to make, you know, six to eight range, um, I think you just need to be able to withstand. Um, and so yeah, so that's what I have to say about that. As for uh, the defense, so right now they're 18th ranked defense. Now they've had some games where they've just looked absolutely abysmal on the defensive end, giving up every single corner three. They play in a very aggressive style of defense. It's something that Nick Nurse has done for a while with this, since he's been a coach with the Raptors. And I think it was all leading up to having a team built like this because it makes sense that they play such an aggressive blitzing style of defense when they have so much length to make up. Uh, you, you talked about the gambles that even uh, a guy like OG Ananobi, who has been such a conservative defender in years uh, in the past, uh, takes this season. And that's just the benefit of just having this team. And probably part of that is, is him being tired and lazy. And uh, there's a lot of not lazy. That's a terrible thing to say. Tired because he's taking on so many minutes and taking on a bigger role on the offensive end. But um, also part of it is that you got you, you can take gambles and risks when you have a team built in this way. And there are going to be nights where it looks terrible. I also think bringing in a guy like Scotty Barnes, who's a rookie, um, that needs to sort of keep up with everybody else. Like the, the problem with this defense is when one guy isn't as aligned or uh, making the rotations at the exact moment, it ruins it for everybody else because defense does work on a, on a string or whatever the sort of saying is. And we see kind of mistakes happen uh, quite often with this team. But when they're playing at their best and everyone is locked in, they're a phenomenal defensive team. So all that to ask you, expectations and how have they fared thus far? Because it hasn't always looked that great. Yeah, I think... It's what you would assume of, uh, you know, a rookie team, right? Like they're um, like, you got to playing a lot of young guys. They make a lot of mistakes and um, it is what it is uh, at times. But when you have a lot of the better players play, they make fewer mistakes. So again, for OG it's tough because OG's asked to sometimes he's playing the two, sometimes he's playing the three, sometimes he's playing the five. Right. So it's difficult to kind of know your roles in all those things, but Again, when the best, when the Raptors veteran guys play, their best players play, their defense is really good. Mm. When some of the younger guys play, you see the mistakes, you see some of the holes. I think it's an interesting experiment. Again, I, I don't really care how it goes this year per se, because I think the goal is that you want to be able to get there. And I think the Raptors have the athletic talent and the overall talent, like when Precious Achua is making defensive frees, he looks incredible. When Scotty Barnes is playing his best defense, he looks amazing. Like he's shutting down Giannis, he's shutting down KD, uh, shutting down points. Luka Doncic, right? The high points are really good. Yeah. And the goal is with the young team is like, hey, you just keep going at it and you keep, you know, pounding the rock, as Dwayne Casey would say. And at some point, you get to a point where it all starts clicking, right? So, I personally, I'm always optimistic about our defense because I think Nick likes to push the boundaries on defense. And mm -hmm. I think our team is made to be a good defensive team. Yeah. All right. So with the trade deadline coming up and we just gave out our midseason grades, you see anyone being shipped out? Uh, Have you given I, someone a bad enough grade that they need to be out of here? 
Well, Goran Dragic needs to be gone. If, if the Raptors buy out Goran Dragic, that would be a really that would be a really poor sign on the front office. I think you need to trade him for somebody, anybody, um, even if it's just to lock up salary for next year that you can tr- trade in the summer or something. You got to do something with him. Um, I think Malachi Flynn's at risk of being traded just because I don't know how much of a role there is for him on this team, and how mm-hmm. much opportunity he's going to be given. And he's a young asset you could maybe convince somebody into – talking themselves into he's still a young player given the opportunity maybe it could be something um on a pick and roll heavy team right yeah and then the last guy is personally i think i've gotten to the point where i might not want to trade him but chris boucher is i think the guy where if you're fully healthy do you need another big in chris boucher or can you kind of move him for a bench scoring uh like maybe a bench scoring guard or somebody that is a slightly younger that you can have on your team for multiple years moving forward those are the only moves I can see the Raptors making. I don't see them making any moves. I think um, Will was talking about this today on his show as well. Uh, but you want to have, like, if the Raptors are going to make a move, it's going to be for somebody that is going to be on this team for two to three years. You're not going to mm-hmm. make a move for someone who's just going to be here for the back half of the season. Yeah. So the Raptors do need help <laughs> on their bench. Part of that is hopefully they just get healthy. But if they're going to be traded, I think those are the three guys that you can see kind of moving. Um, to make those yeah. happen. And I think in that order is how I would trade them. Goran Dragic, Malachi Flynn, and then Chris Boucher if needed. Yeah. Sad. I hope they haven't given, given up on, on Malachi already because that's, you know, the only time that we've seen them sort of give up on those or trade any of the young players was um, Terrence Davis and, and, and Matt Thomas last season. Um, anything else to add for today's episode? Any, but uh, any, who do you think is going to improve their grade the most from the first half of the season to the second half? Uh, I think if it's going to be anybody, it's probably going to be Scotty Barnes. I think Scotty Barnes is going to just mm, keep getting better. He already has so, an A. Yeah, but you know what? Scotty Barnes is an A. I think he can be an A+. Plus. I think he should. He wants to be Rookie of the Year. Let's see it. Go be Rookie of the Year, right? Um, I think he can improve. But talking about like the core guys, I think it's it's gonna come down to is you're hoping maybe Precious Achua is that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, it's OG Ananobi. I think OG Ananobi, we've seen um, spurts of it, but mm-hmm. if he develop if he if he develops throughout this season and really really like nails his role, we've seen Norm do this uh, when Norm was given the keys as being basically like the third scorer. Yeah. Um, and as the season progressed, he became like elite at that role. Um, OG's the guy who can do that, where he can become very elite in this role. And we've seen flashes of it. So he's a guy where, and if OG takes that leap and becomes more consistent, suddenly this team becomes incredibly dangerous, right? That's so scary. That is yeah. so scary if OG can take that leap. For me, I'm hoping that Ken Birch and, and Gary Trent Jr. are healthy in the second half of the season so that we can see what this lineup looks like altogether. I hope that some of the bench guys really put it together. You said it right there with Precious, but if Utah or Svee can be able to hit shots so we get some spacing there on the bench without having to make a move, that would be the best thing for me. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. This was a really fun one. And everybody remember to subscribe, like, and share with your friends. Peace out. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.